Hello. Um, Nathan, could you come on up here for a minute? I want to introduce to you uh, somebody that has come to our church to intern, and uh, his name is Nathan Schwint. He went to CPC with Lindsay, and come on up here. And uh, hi. He, he's come. He's come from CPC, and uh, he's going to be interning here. And uh, I would just like you, in, uh, Nathan, just tell us quickly who you are, where you're from, tell us about your family, that sort of thing. Go. Oh, I put on the spot. <laughs> Love it. Um, yeah, as Pastor Allen just said, I've been um, part of CPC or Horizon College now for the last four years. I'm just finishing up the last few courses, and then I'm going to be graduating with a Bachelor of Theology. Um, I'm originally from Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, I guess I could say, sort of all over Ontario. My parents are ministers in the PAOC there, and they've, we've moved a couple times in our lives, going to different churches and just following God's call. Your um, grandparents too? And, yeah, I guess my grandparents on both sides as well. Um, are in the ministry. Are in the ministry, yeah. So I'm, I guess I'm a third generation PAOC, whatever you say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yet... In that same way, I feel so humbled by, by that heritage and also just, just here to serve. And so, yeah, I'm just looking forward to this time. I'm like, I was kind of approached by Taryn. I think Taryn kind of put a bug in my ear back in July, just a little bit, just kind of joking around. Oh, would you ever consider coming to, coming to Cross Church and helping us out? And, and I just kind of was like, well, that would be neat, but I've got some stuff going on in Saskatoon. And then as it progressed over the summer and over this fall, um, just being in contact with Pastor Allen and just got to know his heart and Taryn's heart and, and Lindsay and the staff here, and it's just kind of grown even in me. came about a month ago to check out the church, and as soon as I walked in the doors, it was just this feeling of family and this feeling of, of belonging. And so I'm looking forward to, to being here and just coming alongside the staff and just doing whatever I can to serve you guys and to serve God through that. This morning we are going to begin a new series, and um, uh, I wanted to, it can be summed up in really one word. It's, it's discipleship. And for those of you who don't know what discipleship means, let's look at this definition. Uh, would you read that with me? By definition... Okay, stop and do that again. All, all together, ready? Growing in the Lord Jesus Christ and being equipped by the Holy Spirit to live the Christian life. Very good, very good. Essentially, what we want to talk about is what it means to be a Christ follower, what it means to be a disciple. And for those of you who are saying, well, how can we be disciples? I thought there were only 12. Well, here's the thing. The word disciple means a follower of Christ. That's essentially what it means. And everybody who calls himself or herself a believer or a Christian is considered a disciple or a follower of Christ. And so... 2011, this coming year, we really want to dig in deep and really want to uh, encourage and see our congregation grow spiritually, to grow deeper in their walk with God. And so you're going to be hearing a lot about discipleship. And so just, just a reminder to you, in case you're wondering what does discipleship mean, it means learning how 
to be a follower of Christ. It means growing in your relationship with God and uh, being equipped by the Holy Spirit. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Just because you gave your heart to Jesus back in, in 1964, it doesn't mean that you're automatically following Jesus. And so here's the thing. What we want to do is we want to see everybody here deeply engaged in a relationship with God, deeply engaged, learning and growing and developing in their walk with God. Now, does, uh, does anybody remember um, what the last words of Christ were before he left this earth? What were, what were, the, what were the, sort of the parting words that Jesus had for his disciples? He said, go into all the world and make... There it is. Stop right there. He didn't say go into all the world and do evangelism. He didn't say go into all the world and feed the poor and the needy. He didn't say go into all the world and educate everybody. He didn't say go into all the world and build hospitals. There's all kinds of activities that we can do and be a part of as Christians. But the thing that we have to remember first and foremost is that Jesus' command is to go and make disciples, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded. And where do we do this? Into all the nations. And so this is what we're going to be talking about over the course of this year in one form or one way or another. We want to learn what it means to truly be followers of Christ, and we want to partner with God in the process of helping others become Christ followers. So this is, this is what discipleship is really all about. And so uh, we're starting January the 22nd. We've got a class, a membership class. And you could say, well, is that really to do with discipleship? It absolutely is, because in that membership class, you're going to learn what it means, first of all, to be a Christian. You're going to learn at the basics of what this church is all about. You're going to learn what this, where we're going as a church. It's absolutely essential, if you, if you want to go further in your walk with God, to be part of that membership class on January the 22nd. Furthermore, and this is really exciting, I'm really excited about this, um, hopefully starting sometime in February, we want to have a special class that will be a follow-up to Alpha. How many people have been to Alpha? We've been running it now for years, but if you've, if you've been to Alpha, just put your hand up high so I can see who you are. Yes, you've been there. Okay, now here's the thing. We want to do it, we want to do, sort of, do the same sort of thing again, but we want to move it on to the next level. We're calling it Discipleship 101, where you will learn the basics of the Christian faith, where you'll learn what you need to know as a Christ follower. Um, we, we are going to um, uh, be taking some people to Zambia. Again, that's part of discipleship. It's learning how to minister, and, and it's all about going and, and making disciples. We're going to Zambia. Um, we're going to be getting a great big container and filling it up with stuff for people, uh, for the needy in Zambia. Really excited about that. And by the way, uh, we do have discipleship happening here all the time, but a lot of people just don't know it. We've got our Alpha program, which we want to keep running. And if you know somebody who doesn't know Christ, we invite you to bring them to our next Alpha. And um, also, if you've got youngsters, young, young people, uh, bring them to our boot camp. Absolutely a fantastic way to learn and grow. Now, Jesus, uh, Jesus uh, is at a point in his ministry, and this is where I want to begin, uh, where his ministry is really winding down now. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, take them and turn to Luke chapter 19. Jesus' ministry on earth is winding down. He's one week away from going to the cross. He's about to go to the cross. 
he has his 12 disciples trained already. And, um, and not only that, but there's a whole crowd of disciples who've been following around for days and weeks and months and watching, watching the miracles that he's been doing and they've, they've been listening to his teaching and they've been growing in their relationship to, to God. And I want us to look at these early disciples to learn what it means to be a disciple. We want to learn how to be a disciple. And it's, it's, uh, it's pretty straightforward. It's stuff that you already know. But here's the thing. I, I believe that a lot of us have a lot of head knowledge, but we don't really practice what we already know. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to remind us of what it means to follow Christ, and I want, to be, I want us to be reminded of, of what we need to be doing on a regular basis in order to be the disciples that God wants us to be. So we, we come to Luke chapter 19, and actually if you look at verse 35 and 36, it says that the disciples brought a little colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on the colt. Everybody knows what a colt is? What's a colt? A pony? Like a, like a, a young donkey? Okay. And uh, they, they brought the young colt to Jesus, young donkey, and they put their, their cloaks on the donkey. And it says in verse 36, as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. The crowd recognized something very exciting about Jesus, and it's something that maybe a lot of us don't recognize, but they recognize that Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a colt was in fact a fulfillment of prophecy about the coming Messiah. Psalm 118, verse 26. And so here is Jesus riding into Jerusalem. In essence, what he's doing is he is finally declaring himself. He's making it clear to everybody who he is. Now, can I just remind you of this? The early parts of his ministry, what did he keep telling people? Don't tell anybody who I am. He, the, the crowds wanted to force him to become king, but he refused to. Now, suddenly, he's changing his tune. He's willing to do something he hasn't been willing to do up until this point. He's willing to be recognized as the Messiah or the King of Israel. And so he's riding into, into Jerusalem on a colt in direct fulfillment of this prophecy. The people are thrilled. They're excited. They're throwing their cloaks on the ground. They're starting to shout Hosanna. Let's read the rest of that passage. It says, When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples, now notice it says the crowd of disciples, that's everybody who's following Jesus, they began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. And here's what they said. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And now look at this. This is, this is uh, interesting, an interesting response. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And Jesus says, I tell you, if they keep quiet, then the stones will cry out. This is a, a turning point in history because Jesus now is declaring himself as the king of the Jews. He is declaring himself as the Messiah. He's making it clear to everybody that he is, in fact, the answer to all that's wrong in this world. He's making it clear that he is, in fact, the Savior. 
He wants there to be no question in anyone's mind that he is the answer to all of our ills, all of our problems, and all of our cares and needs. No one else and nothing else is going to help you like Jesus will. And so here's, here's what a disciple is, very simply. A disciple is somebody who follows Jesus, who wants to stay in his presence. Now, let me just say this to you this morning. These disciples were following along after Jesus. They, they were they're watching the miracles take place. They were hearing his teaching. And as every day went on, that, that they were seeing a new miracle and being taught something new, guess what was happening in them? They were starting to grow. They were starting to develop spiritually. They were beginning to experience new levels of faith in their life. They were beginning to, to learn who God is. They were, learning to, they were learning more and more about God as, as every day in his presence went by. Now, let me ask you a question. What would happen if they decided, ah, I'm going to take a day off. I'm not going to show up today. I'm going to take it easy. I've been hanging out with Jesus you know, for, for several days. I think it's time for a rest. What would happen if they took a week off or a month off? I want to tell you what happens, folks, when you don't spend time in the presence of Jesus. You miss out. You miss out on all that God wants to show you, all that God wants to reveal to you, all that God wants to do in your life. They would have missed out on seeing Lazarus raised from the dead. Has anybody here seen anyone raised from the dead? I can tell you, those who were there to experience it had an experience that would last them a lifetime. Has anybody ever, ever seen anybody healed, raised up out of a wheelchair? Has anybody, been, anybody experienced that? Here's the thing. In the presence of Jesus is a place where you are going to experience the miracles of God. In the presence of Jesus is the place where you are going to begin to grow spiritually. Listen, you cannot grow spiritually if you're not in the presence of Jesus. You will not and cannot experience the miracles of God in your life if you're not in the presence of Jesus. You say, Pastor, well, how do I do that? I mean, I can't physically touch Jesus, so, I mean, where is he? How, how do I spend time in his presence? Well, I'll tell you. I'm glad you asked that question. And it's very simple. Jesus, when he came to this earth, came as the Word of God. Does everybody remember that from John chapter 1? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was, and the Word was God. God chooses to reveal himself through Christ, the Word of God. And here's the thing, if you want to spend time in the presence of God, then what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to get back into the Word of God. This is why God has given us this precious book. How many people do not have a Bible? If you don't have a Bible, you need to talk to me so I can make sure that you own one. But can I just say this? Owning a Bible is not good enough. Some of us have got 10, 12, 20 Bibles. There's a fellow who used to go to our church, he's passed away now, but he said to me one day, Pastor, I've got over 100 Bibles. I said, really? He said, would you like to come over and see my collection? I said, Dear fellow, 
I said, now I'll pass on that, but just, money, just tell me a little bit about your Bibles. And he told me all about all the different kinds of Bibles. He had a Jewish Bible and a Hebrew Bible and a and Greek and Aramaic, and he had one written from the 1500s, and, the, and, and, and it, on and on and on it goes, you know. There's, I mean, there's literally, uh, there's literally dozens, hundreds of different versions of the Scripture. And my next question was this. I said, Ken, do you ever read these books? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. This is part of my collection. Now, he, he didn't see the irony in this at all. But I'm going to tell you this today, friends. A Bible sitting on a shelf is useless. God wants to speak to your heart. And the way that God's going to speak to your heart, and the way that you're going to experience His presence, is by opening that book up and allowing it to speak to you. I can tell you that every single time I open my Bible... God speaks to me. And I have read through my Bible, I cannot tell you how many times. And yet every time I read it, I find something new, something exciting, something fresh. And this is, the thing, this is what you need to know about Jesus. Listen to me. He's not a historical figure. He's the living Christ. He's the living Jesus. And you have a relationship with the living Jesus who wants to speak to you day by day, who wants you to experience His presence day by day. And if you're not spending time in the Word of God, and if you're not allowing the Spirit of God to, to use an old-fashioned word, to quicken this Word to your heart. Nathan, that's a word you've heard lots growing up from your grandparents and your parents. Quicken the Word of God to your heart. That's an old Pentecostal term. Quicken the Word to your heart. What does that mean? It means that God takes that Word and fills your heart with His presence and with his instruction and guidance. Listen to me. You cannot grow unless you are in the presence of Jesus. And that's what these disciples were. They were in the presence of Jesus. And something very exciting, something very exhilarating, very thrilling was taking place. They were experiencing Jesus. On January 1st, 2011... I began reading through my Bible once again. And the way I do it is I, I just quickly see how many pages there are in, the, in my Bible. And you know how you do that? You just turn to the back of the book and you say, oh, I've got 1,103 1, pages. And so what I do is I just divide it by 365 days and I know how many pages I've got to read and it's just about four pages a day. Very simple. And I open that book and I begin to read right from Genesis. And people will say, well, but you know, Genesis and, and, and the Old Testament's dry. It, folks, it's not dry. Because listen to me, right from the very start, Genesis chapter 3 is the evangelistic message about Jesus coming to this earth to conquer Satan. It starts right in Genesis chapter 3. And it, it's right through the scripture. God interacting with his people. And this is what God wants to do in your heart and in my life. But the only way that's going to happen is if you get your Bible out again and begin to read it. Now listen to me, listen. Don't just, just don't go, oh, whatever. Uh, start reading half-heartedly and say, well, I've done my duty. You know, if I approached my wife like that and sat down, okay, dear, I'll give you an hour. Go ahead, say what you got to say. How long do you think our happy marriage would last? It, it, it's not going to work, is it? 
And yet so many of us approach God exactly that way. Oh, okay, I'll just read the chat, whatever, okay. What you need to do, friends, is you need to go into the presence of God, and you need to say, God, I'm here in your presence. I'm asking you to speak to my heart. Please speak to me through your word. And then you need to begin to, you need to open your Bible, and you need to begin to read slowly and with purpose, and you need to look for what it is that God wants to say to you. And guess what? He's going to speak to you. Can I just say this to you this morning? If God doesn't speak to you in your, prayer, in your time of reading the Bible, this is what I want you to do. I'm giving you permission. I want you to phone me because you're doing something wrong if God's not speaking to you. You're, you're missing something because God wants to speak to you every time. When you go into the Word, you begin to experience the presence of Almighty God. That's what it means to be a disciple. It's to follow Jesus, be in his presence. You know what it also means to be a disciple? It means that you allow him to help you. It means you allow him into your life to give you the help that you need. Now, the followers of Jesus here recognize that Jesus was their Savior. Look what it says there. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And then in Matthew it says, Hosanna, save us. They recognize who Jesus is, and they recognize that he is the Savior. They recognize that he's the one that will help them in their hour of need. Now, there's so many people. This is what I don't get about Christ, so many Christians, is that they're, they, they call themselves Christians, they go to church, and yet in no way does, do they allow God to help them in their day-to-day living. I don't get that. Because here's the thing. God wants to help you day by day. Does, that, does everybody realize that or understand that? Here's what we normally do, though. What we normally do is we say, you know what, I'm spiritual enough, I go to church, and I'm not going to bother God with my petty little things, but in the hour when I really, 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 really need him, that's when I'm going to call on him. When I, when I get myself into trouble, that's when I'm going to call on, on, on Jesus. Can I just remind everybody of something this morning? Jesus doesn't want you to get into trouble so that you have to throw up that panic prayer. Oh, God, help me. I got myself into trouble again. Listen to me. That is not victorious Christian living. That's not the Christian life that God's calling you to, where you go along on your own merry way, get yourself into trouble, and then all of a sudden throw up that panic prayer. Oh, God, I'm in trouble again. Help. That's not the way God wants you to live. And these people who are following Jesus, they, they recognize that Jesus is their Savior. They're calling him the Savior. That's what made the Pharisees so angry. Jesus rebuked your disciples. Tell them to stop calling you that, the Savior. Oh, it's blasphemy. Can I just tell you something today? There's a lot of people out there in this world today that hate Jesus. Have you noticed that? And they hate Christians and they hate the church. And you know why? Because they don't know who he is. They don't recognize him. They don't understand that he's the one who will take away their sin. He's the one who will transform their lives. He's the one who will give them eternal life. He's the one who can give them abundant life. All they see is Jesus the party pooper, who won't let me do what I want to do, who won't let me live the way I want to live, who won't let me be the kind of person I want to be. 
I've got, I've got to ask you the question, that, the one that, that Dr. Phil always asks. He always asks, now how's that working for you? You heard that, right? How's your life working for you? Listen, we have got a whole genre of TV programs that deal with dysfunctional, crazy people who are just so used to living their own life their own way. And Jesus is saying, look, if you just give me a chance, if you just let me show you how your life can be better by letting me help you, your life will have a dramatic turnaround. These people are following along, and all of a sudden there's this, this impromptu praise session. People begin praising God and worshiping God. What caused that impromptu praise session? I'll tell you. It says that the people began, or the disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices because of all the miracles that they'd seen. You see, the first thing that has to happen is you've got to spend time in the presence of God, and that's what those disciples do. The second thing is that you've got to be in a position where you're willing to cry out to God for help and go on, get on to the next place in your life. You need to say, God, help me. Help me before I make a mess out of my life. I see young couples getting married, and I just see the, the, the pain that's ahead because they will not allow Jesus into their marriage. I see young families, and I see the problems that are ahead for those kids, and it's because they won't allow Jesus into their into their family. I see young single people, and I see the pain that's ahead because they won't allow Jesus into their heart. And I'm telling you today, you need Jesus. You can't make it without him. I mean, that's been my experience. I can't make it without Christ. Would anybody say that's the same for, for them? Would you say that's the same for you? I can't, I can't make it without him. I'll tell you, if I take life into my own hands, I make a mess out of it every time. I'm just not as bright as some people, I guess. I don't know. I make a potch of it every single time. Now, here's the thing. When you follow Jesus, it means that you're letting Jesus be your Savior. You're letting Jesus be your help in your time of need. And these followers of Jesus recognized his ability. Do you see that? They recognized his ability to help and to save. Now, what was it that they saw that the Pharisees did not see? Did you ever wonder that? How come, how come these, these poor, simple country folk, they can see that Jesus is the Savior and the great helper sent from heaven, but the Pharisees, who are supposed to be the religious elite, could not? Well, I think, I think the fact that they were religious says it all. Because here's the thing. You can very, very, very easily be very religious and completely miss out on God. You can miss Jesus completely. And that's exactly what happened to the Pharisees. Later on in that verse in, in Luke chapter 19, Jesus says, gives a prophecy of what's going to happen to the Jewish people. And he says this, They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls, they will not leave one stone on another, listen to this, because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. You did not recognize the help that was within your grasp. 
Let me tell you this today. Some people read that and think, oh my God, such an angry God. He would judge the people, the Jewish people like that, dash them to the ground and their children within the walls and, and not leave one stone on another just because they rejected Jesus. No, that's not what it's saying, folks. What it's saying is this, is that there is judgment coming from, from Rome. The Roman Caesars want to destroy the Jewish people. And God has sent Jesus as the Savior but they rejected him. And so Jesus says, because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you, you are going to experience terrible, terrible suffering. Now, I'm to, I, I, need to, I need to tell you this this morning. God is speaking to you. And he's saying to you this morning, I'm here to help you. I'm here to deliver you. I'm here to give you the abundant life that your heart craves. Don't wait until you're in trouble. Don't wait until the last minute. Don't wait until it's too late, because that's exactly what happened. You can imagine the way the people in Israel were crying out to God and saying, God, save us. And God says, I tried to, but you rejected it. Let the Spirit of God speak to your heart now. In that hour of tremendous need, they would have cried out to God, God, save us, God, help us. And God said, I tried to, but you rejected it. And that's exactly what happened. Jesus came to Israel before their hour of great need. And because they did not recognize the time of God's coming to them, they experienced great suffering and need. Now, can I just say this to you this morning? Does that mean that God will not help you actually when the hour of need does come when you're in big trouble because you rejected Christ or because you weren't there? No, God will hear you, and he will help you through your difficult time. But wouldn't it be better? Wouldn't it be better not to go through all that? Wouldn't it be better to miss out on all that garbage, all that pain and all that suffering? My friends, you can do that by learning to follow closely to Jesus and letting him help you in the hour that he offers his help. Now, I'm going to tell you one more thing about following Jesus. Very simple. Following Jesus is staying in his presence. It's letting him help you. I mean, it's, it's, it's all what he's doing for us. It's just amazing. The final thing that we've got to do, folks, is we have to do what, what these followers were doing. They were praising God. They, just, they couldn't help but, but, but cry out in thanksgiving to God. Can I just say this to you this morning? Worship, worship and praise has is, is almost become very mechanical in churches, at least in North America. You know, we sing our, do our, our song set, and that's, you know, we raise our hands because we're supposed to raise our hands, and we sing this song, and we close our eyes and sway a little bit because it helps, I guess, somehow to get the spirit. I don't know. But here's the thing. True praise and true worship flows out of a heart, listen, that has experienced God's help. True worship, true praise flows out of a heart that has experienced the help of God. The words of gratitude and praise and thanksgiving. God, thank you for helping me with. God, thank you for helping me with. With my job, with my marriage, with my kids. Thank you for being there for me. Thank you for the great things that you've done in my life. Thank you, Lord for these great things that I've seen take place in my, in my marriage, in my family. It says, 
They praised God for all the miracles that they had seen. Do you praise God? I don't mean just on Sunday when we've got guitars and drums and, and somebody saying, sing, <laughs> worship. I'm talking about day by day, moment by moment. At every moment that you experience God's help, do you praise Him? Do you say, God, thank you? I'm going to tell you this. This is, a, this, is, this is something that we don't do enough of. We've fallen out of the habit of giving praise to God, of giving Him thanks. When's the last time you praised Him? Because things worked out well for you. When's the last time you said, Jesus, I just want to say thank you. Thank you that my car started this morning in minus 17. Everybody said. <laughs> Jesus, I just want to thank you. I've got a nice, a nice, I got a car to drive. I got, thank you, Lord, that I've got a house to live in. You, you, you thank God for these things? There's so much that we take for granted here. And God is calling us to stop taking him for granted because a true disciple, a true follower of Christ, recognizes the goodness of God. Now, here's the thing. These, uh, these disciples are praising, praising Jesus. And it says, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And Jesus said, look, if they, don't, if they don't worship me, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. I'm going to tell you, it is not only, it is not only uh, normal to praise Jesus, it's expected. And here's the thing. If you want to grow spiritually, if you want to go on to the next level spiritually, if you want to continue to grow and continue to mature, if you want to graduate the class that you're in and go to the next class and go to the next level, then here's what you're going to have to learn to do because I believe that this is the key to, to, your, to your advancement spiritually. You've got to learn how to give praise and thanks to God. You've got to, you've got to thank Him. Because every time, listen, every time you praise God for the good thing He does in your life, Guess what? The memory of what he's done sticks in your heart. And when you remember God's ability, listen, if you remember God's ability, what he's done in the past, then, listen, your faith begins to develop. It begins to grow. Your faith begins to expand. And you, you, you suddenly start to mature. Well, what, what did we learn from the, from the children of Israel roaming through the wilderness? What did we learn there? They kept forgetting God's goodness. They, they forgot to say thank you. They forgot to praise him. They forgot to thank the God of Israel who delivered them out of Egypt. And they, said, they forgot to say thank you for not allowing these plagues to come upon us. They forgot to say thank you for not killing our firstborn. They forgot to say thank you for providing us food. And guess what happened to them? They, they didn't grow. In fact, they died in the wilderness, and it took the next generation to go into the promised land. I'm going to ask you a question this morning. Which, which are you going to be? Are you going to be the one that misses out on the blessing of God? Are you going to be the ones that are left in the wilderness? Are you the ones, ones that are going to grow and go on to take on the great blessings that God has ahead for you. There's only a few that entered the promised land. Anybody remember Caleb? He's like, give me this mountain. He's like, he's an old man. He's an old, old man. And he just doesn't know when to quit. He's like, give me this mountain. I'm going to take this for the Lord. Nothing's too, nothing's too difficult for the Lord. How is it that he made it into the promised land, but none of his peers did? Joshua made it in as well. 
just a few of them, but the rest didn't. Why? Because they forgot to say thank you, God. They forgot to recognize who God is and God's ability to help them overcome any difficulty, any struggle, any problem. Which are you? Are you growing? Are you developing spiritually? The only way that's going to happen is by beginning to praise Jesus now. Every step of the way. For every little thing he does for you. Your faith will begin to rise. You'll begin to grow. Become the man, the woman that God wants you to be. Who knows the blessing of God. That's what it means to be a disciple. Would you pray with me? Father, we want to say thank you this morning for Jesus. We want to say thank you that Jesus has come to this life, to this world, to be our Savior, our Deliverer, our help. And God, some of us here today are in trouble. Some of us have got difficulties and struggles that we don't know how to face. And the the thing that you're calling us to do is to come back into your presence by opening your word and allowing the Spirit of God to speak to us. That's when we find peace. That's when we find rest for our souls. You're calling us, Lord Jesus, to allow you to help us, to recognize the time of God's coming to us. You're calling us to praise you, Lord for all the good things that you're doing. We know that when we praise you and give you thanks for every good thing you do, then we begin to grow spiritually and we advance to the next level. Father, we pray right now. Fill our hearts with faith to, to commit to you, to follow you, to follow you with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, with all our strength. And we thank you, God, for what you want to do in our hearts. In Jesus' name.